Zonagon, in his collection of his works known as Evan Schleimer, says the following thing: Bitochem v'istavkus hemet klolim l'chol mitzvot tovus v'emhevacha tayv v'chaim do ikarko bitochem mishe mechusa bitochem ein teriasa miskayim biyadai. Zonagon says the following thing, which is very strange. He describes two different types of midot. One is called bitachon is sometimes translated as the practical faith, meaning faith which you rely on in day-to-day life, not faith that you believe in theoretically, yes, belief system, rather, it's something that I act on. The stapkut means the ability to not be overindulgent in your concern for your physical welfare, whether it be um, your future financial status or uh, overindulgence in in other words Hestapkus means being content with what you have and not to overextend yourself into seeking to make your life over cushy over cushy or in Yiddish Iber cushy Iber cushy it's a German as well it's an Iber cushy kind yeah you know the words nothing <laughs> Uh, yes, Michael. Like Michael, I haven't said very much yet. I'm very surprised <laughs> that you were something to say. But one thing, there could be... One, no, no, no! Mike, let's... Mike, let's hear your voice after all. That's what it's all about. Let, uh, let's, charm, let's charm the room with the lilting tones of your incredible melodious vocal cords. For me, it's just, uh, for me, Mike, just again, for me, it's just a privilege to, the fact that you actually allow yourself to come to the share, I feel, I feel just deeply indebted to you. You're amazing. Thank you. It's about time you said that. Yeah, it's long overdue. What do you mean? Long overdue. So the Gvilnagon says, we're talking about Stapkus. There's two meters. One is having the security, the, the sense of assurance and trust in Hashem in your day-to-day life and the other one is a contentment with what you have that you're not stri- striving to go beyond your, your, your means then he says a big chidush he says hem hefech and these two things are actually the opposite of what's called tava and chemda there's two negative traits one is called tava which is desires and chemda which is called desires mm. gosh English doesn't do so well with those two words the, the, the way we describe them is Taiva is the desire for the pleasures of the flesh and Chemda is, is the desire for creature comforts. So what Taiva would be is the desire for food, um, for, for sexual desire and Chemda would be the desire for riches, for illustrious um, prestige, for, for the home in the right neighborhood, the car with the right... External things like the way I build up my clothes. So Taiva is internal. is much more the, the the satisfaction of the desires within my body, and 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 Chemda is more so the the desires of my environment, environmental desires. Same source as Teva. Sorry. Same like. You only get covered with people outside. Like Teva, like nature, natural. No, different, different, different. Taiva spells spells differently. Okay, so there's two things. There's there's Chemda and there's Taiva. There's bitochen and there's tapkus, and the Gon says that these two are, are opposites of one another. Um, that bitochen is the opposite of taiva, which is desire, and his tapkus is the opposite of chemda, which is, let's say, the pursuit of material pleasure.
material luxury. Now, how do those two opposites work out? So let's let's start to boil up a picture over here of what would it mean for a person to have bitachin, and how does it relate to taiva? What would it mean for a person to have his stavkus, and how does that, how does that relate to chemda? So the the latter part is much easier to work out than the former. Chemda is the desire for um, material possessions. Now what drives a person, of course it's more complex than that, but the, the drive for material possessions is a drive for not only the ability to be comfortable, but the ability to Let me, let me begin from a different perspective. Seemingly these two, these two midot have an umbrella category that they both belong to. The umbrella category that they both belong to would be, let's say, a trust in Hashem. And then there's two different subcategories of trust in Hashem. The one factor in trust in Hashem is the assurance to do, and the other factor in trust in Hashem is the happy, being happy with what you have. Now, I can understand very easily that when a person has bitochen, that means he's assured of his path, he's not nervous about what can occur because he trusts that Hashem is taking care of him. So a person has bitochen and he understands that everything is a, within, the, within the control of the Creator. So that person is connected to the Ebishtah. But what is being, surely being happy with what I have is not, is not a religious thing. It's not, a, it's not necessarily a, a um, description of my connection to the Creator. It seems to be just not being overindulgent in material goods. It seems to be that I'm expressing myself in such cryptic terms that the normal reaction of glazed eyes has been changed by puzzled looks. Which personally I feel is, is, is perhaps a move forward. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's pretty, it's a, it's a bit of a, a collective expression that you're having. In connection with Hemda... Uh, uh, let, me, let me frame this differently. I know I'm trying all different types of things. It's, it's, it's probably because I'm trying to grasp the ideas simultaneously. Um, there was a person, there was a person that we were doing a, we are studying, working on a particular topic in one of our Musa Vadim, and um, one of the people in the Vad's reactions was that from before he became religious and to the present, he doesn't feel that in terms of spirituality there's been any shift in his being. In other words, from an intellectual perspective, a lot has changed. Previously he had a different set of values, a different perception of the world, and now that's all changed, and now his perception of the world is very different from his perception of the world that was before. But in terms of his experience of life, there's been almost no shift whatsoever. Yeah. Sorry? How was that part? If you have a shift in values, um, I can see it's, it's, very, it's very possible because 
if a person seeks intellectual fulfillment, so you can almost get complete and total cognitive um, completion in, in, in studying the idea and the notions behind Judaism itself. Yeah. Right, so it changes values. Well, you know, the changes values as a function of his realizations, but not in terms of his experience of life. Meaning previously as a person that responded to a sunset in one way, and now he responds to a sunset in the same way. His, his knowledge base that had been shifted didn't shift his experience of reality. It shifted his knowledge of how things work. But in terms of living day to day, everything remained the same. That's the problem, isn't it? Uh, I would say so. Then he didn't truly internalize what it was that he was studying in the first place. Okay, so, so, so now we're hitting on to a point. This is a point where the Gohan goes and he says one more thing. So we have to first explore what is bitachon, what is istavkus. What does it mean to have faith? What does it mean to be satisfied with what you have? And then we have to contrast that with what does it mean to be always lasting after my physical desires or always lasting after my material desires. And then he says a fascinating roundup to this little um, halacha statement, paragraph. The ikar hakol and the basis, the essence of everything, hu abitochen. It's trust in Hashem. And a person that doesn't have trust in Hashem, the Torah will not last in his hand. Even though he's intellectually aware and understands and comprehends, but if there's not, if somehow it doesn't come down into the way that he lives, the way that he feels, Bitochen is a feeling. So then his Torah won't have a won't, be, won't last that long. Can't last that long. So I, I'd like to, let's just try and figure this out. Um, hmm. Okay. So. So the truth is, there's, there's two ways of learning this. The one way you can learn it is that bitochen is the opposite of desire and because being happy with what I have, is the opposite of the pursuit of material, excess material goods. But perhaps you could learn otherwise as well. That bitochen is the opposite of the pursuit of external, external material goods and he stopped because being happy with what I have is the opposite of Taiva. The very point of raising this discussion of what is the opposite of what introduces a fundamental idea in how we operate on an internal level. The implication of the Gorn's writing, whichever way you learn it, is that if you have one, you don't have the other. And not only if you have one, you don't have the other, but it seems as if there has to be some type of correlation between the two. Meaning that 
bitochen would replace chemda. Bitochen would, let's say, would replace the pursuit of material goods, and histapkus, being satisfied with what I have, would replace taiva. In other words, that if you had this, it would quell your desires, and if you had this, it would quell your material pursuits. In other words, this is a very crucial point. Growth internally is not based on restraint. Growth internally is based on transformation. A person that has a desire, so he can restrain the desire, but essentially he's like a dog on a leash. He hasn't transformed. A person that replaces desire with his stapkus. So it's not that he desires but restrains, that he doesn't desire. Um, just let me flesh this out. There's a basic desi desire. Desire is, is, is something which is, the, let's start off with the, in the most, Taiva is a very core part of our being. Desire is a very, very, very deep, deep, deep desire inside of us. And the truth is, it's so deep because it's the pursuit of continued life. If I don't eat, I die. And if I don't reproduce, so then ultimately my race becomes extinct. The two, let's say, fundamental points of, of survival are personal survival and um, survival of the race. The survival of the race comes about through reproducing, having children, and the survival of the individual comes about through eating food. So both our fundamental, our most basic desires touch on the very essence of what life is. Are you following me? And the truth is, both, both of those desires, they operate from an inward, an inward to a slightly outward direction. Meaning the desire for life is more fundamental than the desire for shelter. The desire for shelter meaning is a metaphor for the pursuit of material comfort. Material comfort is the ability to be safe in my environment. The desire for, for food or for, for sexual desire is the desire to be safe in terms of my internal life. Surviving as a person, surviving within my environment. So there's two components to survival. There's that I should, my life will be preserved from the preservation of my biological body. And my life should be preserved that the internal forces that surround me shouldn't afflict me. So I'll cover myself with my material comfort and protective measures. Two things can go wrong in a person. There's two ways a person's life can be extinguished. His body can cease to function or his body can be perfectly healthy. In other words, internally he can destruct. That's called disease or hunger or lack of reproduction. There can be an internal destruction. And there's also the notion of an external destruction. His body is perfectly, perfectly healthy, but he has no shelter and he dies of cold. 
So the two ways we preserve ourselves is we preserve ourselves by making sure that external factors do not harm us. And we preserve ourselves by making sure that internal factors do not harm us. The two drives which ensure the protection of ourselves, one is called taiva, making sure that we eat. If a person doesn't have an appetite, you can literally die of starvation because you never bother to eat. It's, it's, it's a tra- tragic um, problem when people become old and they lose the desire to eat. Often they can just die of starvation. But they, don't, they forget to drink. They forget to drink. It's just because there's, no, there's nothing pushing you on. So those desires are, are crucial for our being. Those are crucial for our being. So to have taiva is a necessary prerequisite to be a human being and to maintain your life. And to have chemda is also a requisite in order that I should be able to maintain myself on, on ex- from an external harm. So those are two healthy, normal, intrinsic parts of a person. And then the Gons is, but then there's something called Bitochen Istapkos. So now, what's the relationship in the former, what, what's the relationship between Bitochen to Istapkos or Bitochen to Taiva or Bitochen to Chemda, what's the relationship to, of Bitochen to Chemda and the relationship of to, to Taiva? So now this is where I would like to explore the notion of the point at which humanity enters into our being. There's two raw cause in our being. We'll call one Taiva and one Chemda. As a, as, as a being, as a, as, a, as a creature, I have within me the drive to survive, which manifests as the drive to maintain my body and the drive to maintain my body internally and externally. When, at what point in time do I become human? Because those are very animalistic desires. I think that's a, that, 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 that those two desires are shared pretty much by the animal kingdom. You mean you have a Sorry? When, when you say human, you mean humane? Like no, I mean human. 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 Go on, Dave. Is it when you show your strength? When you say, I have my thought and then I'll stop and I'm just going to continue. But when I eat, I'm not going to eat, continue eating this and this. It's okay. So now you see where humanity expresses itself is in excess and restraint in both areas. It expresses itself in excess because animals don't kill themselves by overeating as a rule. Animals don't make structures for themselves as a rule which are overprotective. You, you never like see a bird like building like a brick house. Yeah, I've never seen it. So you may tie that because they can't lay bricks. I don't hold of that. I've seen these crows. They, they can do anything. Those big, those big ugly crows, I'm telling you, those things, could, they could build a house in a second. But they choose not to do it. Because they create a structure which is adequate and they create a, they eat which is not excessive. So humanity reveals itself in excess and restraint from excess. In yeah, both. Your, your intellect starts to... So the, 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 the humanity which expresses itself through excess is the negative side of humanity. That's the side of human that is worse than animals. Animals don't overeat 
they don't kill themselves because their cholesterol is too high. Speaking about overfeeding the fish. Were your cats and with fish and without human interference? Yes. Mm, I never seen a fat cat that wasn't owned by a human. There are certain animals, there are certain cats, certain dogs, and there are certain fish that if you sit there and you just give them. Ah, ah, human intervention! We're talking about without human intervention. If you give them an endless amount of food, they would do that. I'm not saying that this is a rule of every single animal and that there aren't animals that overeat. I mean, what about Frisky? I mean, he was the fattest dog I ever saw. But that's not the point. And again, it was an ironic name to give him. But. But th- th- that's not the point. The point isn't that you're, you know, you know, like it's, it's not, you know, Mike. I don't mean to, but you can't like kind of say one second. I say, what do you want, Mike? He said, my goldfish Jemima. He said, what about Jemima? <laughs> Jemima <laughs> died of overeating. Yeah, ju- it's, it's a famous. Yeah, yeah, a good, goldfish good. And Jemima. Hey. Of course, there's, uh, there's incidents in the animal kingdom of overeating and perhaps even of overprotectiveness. But that's not, that's not the overriding theme of the animal kingdom. The overriding theme of the animal kingdom is animals eat to survive and maintain themselves and they protect themselves adequately. They don't eat excessively and they don't protect themselves, overprotect themselves. Whereas the overriding theme in humanity is overprotection, overindulgence, and the, the struggle between that. In other words, at the, po- at the point, there's a, there's a point, in other words, it's almost like this, the way, the way I see it. A person's an animal to a certain point. The minute he becomes excessive in his desires, so then he descends beneath the level of an animal, and the minute he restrains his desires, so then he rises above an animal. Restrains restrains the desire for more or just restrains the desire? So now, now we can start to explore at what point does the restraint come in? In other words, if he restrains his desires at the point where he's perfectly satiated, so then he's become an animal. Oh, one second, listen, 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 listen. I'm willing to hear different ideas provided they completely coherent with their mind and aligned. I don't care what you say provided it agrees with me. Joking, I'm joking. Again, a person desires, a person has desires. He has a desire to eat. If a person only eats foods which are healthy for him, and he restrains himself from overeating, and he makes sure that his health is maintained, and he lives in a home which is adequate to protect him and nothing more than that, at that point in time, where the person got to, he's got to the level of an animal. Wait, 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 I'm just suggesting yeah, it. Yeah, I'm yeah, suggesting yeah. it, and I'm going to suggest a counter theory as well. Yeah, okay? Do you agree with me, Nazan Svi? Then he's reached the level of an animal. If a person indulges and he exceeds his desire and he eats himself beyond his capacity for nutritional fulfillment, and he overprotects himself so that he has a roof, and above the roof he has another roof, and above the roof he has another roof because he's got a three story home. So if a person does that, so then he's descended beneath the level of animals. And simply speaking, when a person needs something and he restricts his desire and does what's, 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 he deprives himself of fulfillment for a legitimate purpose, then a person has risen above an animal. Meaning, 
three bochim walk into the lunchroom. It's schnitzel day. Bocha, walk, Bocha one walks in and he stabs two schnitzels while the schnitzel server is not looking. He's a small, slight Bocha. Half a schnitzel would be more than enough for him. He grabs two and indulges. Worse than an animal. Next Bocha walks in. Medium built Bocha. One schnitzel perfect. Satiate him. He takes one schnitzel. Third Bocha walks in and realizes that the first Bocha, who already took two, is coming back for a third piece. And he says, yeah, take mine. And he has the matzah option. So then he's risen above the level of an animal. So really on a spectrum, there's, there's below animal, animal, above animal. Which would mean that when a person functions with restraint, and he only eats what he needs to eat, and he protects himself like he's, then he hasn't risen above the animal, he's become an animal. There's something above, above animal, like to the super extreme? Like so we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Just, we just, we're exploring, we're exploring the idea. Are you, are you following me in the initial exploration? Now, now, Jeremy argues with me. He says, no, even when you, not you, Jeremy. Yosef? No, he's Jeremy, you are Yomiyahu. Mm. Okay, listen, uh, that, that's, that's oh, part of the... Like a personal guy. What you're arguing is that even when a person... Yes, even when a person restrains himself to eat what he needs, and becomes a highly functioning human being that he protects himself as much as he can and eats what he needs so then he's also risen above an animal animals don't desire to eat more than because animal doesn't so therefore even just to be a normal animal requires human intervention that, that, that's that's what I anticipated your argument would be right. okay so okay we can explore that um, unfortunately we, we, we're fast running out of time and all I really wanted to do was open up the sugar and try to get us to think a little bit. In other words, if I can leave you with anything, I would like to leave you with the... to meditate on this idea that at what point in time do I accentuate my humanity? And at what point in time does society as a whole pronounce humanity? At what point in time does society as a whole deny humanity, drop it beneath the level of an animal? And at what point of time would society affirm that man is animal? And all you have to do is open up a magazine and you'll probably find all three points in the magazine, preferably or possibly in the advertising sections. There'll be parts of the magazine that will say, be worse than an animal. Parts of the magazine which say, be an animal. And there may even be parts, even though it's unlikely, that it would say, be something which is beyond an animal. Now, if that's true, the scary scary consequence of us is that it could be that the loudest voice we hear in our ears is to be worse than an animal. And if that's the voice that we hear in our ears, and going back to how we began yesterday, if that's the voice we hear in our ears, and that's what everyone's saying, so it's like the classroom, unless you're a Josh Ford, the chances are you're going to say, oh, this line is as long as A, even though it's clearly not. It goes back to the same level of conviction. If that's what society is broadcasting, 
So if you want to rise up against that, you're going to have to have a level of certainty as to what you believe in. In other words, if you want to rise and be human, before we speak about being Tordic or being Jewish, just to be human, it could be that you have to rebel against modern culture. Just, a, just room for thought. That's all I want to do. Provide you room for thought for the moment and hopefully we'll pursue this on Thursday. In the interim, I would urge you to think deeply about this idea as you interact with the world around you and ask yourself, am I being an animal? Worse than animal? Better than animal? And see in the course of your day how many times you are animalistic, how many times you are human, and how many times you are under-animalistic. As they say in German, an Untermensch. Do they say that in German? Pastors, if there's an Ubermensch, there's Pastors and Untermensch. Pastors, the Dirk. Okay, everybody, sir. Build the tiles. <laughs>